millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your festive podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking, wheeling, Christmassy in the UK and beyond. I'm Ned Bolting. I'm Laura Laker. And I'm Adam Tranter. And this time, this is brilliant, this is Laura's script, and this time it's Gritmas, which almost works. <laughs> ah. We'll go with it. That's right, we're talking gritting, as in de-icing cycle lanes and pavements. But we'll also discuss the nitty gritty... Oh. <laughs> No, it's good. Go with it, Adam. It's good scripting. And also, she did it and we didn't do it. So, you know, she's made the effort. The nitty gritty of councillor life, because we have with us a live guest in the shape of Ian Barnes, formerly of Enfield's uh, low traffic neighbourhood fame. And as deputy leader of Enfield Council, Ian was among those responsible for delivering low traffic neighbourhoods, both during the pandemic and in the aftermath. So he knows all about grit. Happy Gritmas, everyone. It's been very cold. I think we can safely say that. How how are we all? Did, Did we all cycle here? Uh, no, I, I walked because I was worried about Falling slipping. Over. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, but even then, that's a little bit. Yeah, it's it's difficult because the the pavements haven't been super well gritted. It's uh, very difficult. So yeah, I don't quite know what to what to do. Yeah, well, Barnard, you put one foot in front of another. Yeah, but you know, try and remain upright. <laughs> that's what you can do. That's all you can hope like for. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Laura? Laura cycles um, everywhere, so I'd, I'd be amazed I, if you didn't cycle. I here. usually do, but I haven't cycled all week because we have a lovely low traffic neighbourhood, and then we have a lovely bike lane that goes into town. But neither of them have been gritted. So it's an ice rink. I got the bus back last night, and I was looking out the bus window, and I was glad that I didn't cycle. There's a kind of tiny little. Probably like tyre width, clear section on the super highway through yep. Stratford. Yep. And the rest is just ice. It's, so it, it's quite scary out It's there. quite unusual, isn't it? I can't remember London, last time London or indeed the UK just generally was this cold for this long. Yeah. So nothing's thawing. I think for the first time I've seen, and, and I must confess in the West Midlands, we're behind on this and trying to get people to do more on the maintenance side. But I've seen a few councils who have, who have kind of basically bought 
mini tractors now who were dedicated to clearing cycleways and in Waltham Forest they've got one I think there's one in Sheffield right and uh yeah it's great they're just like miniature tractors that grit cycle lanes specifically yeah and um it sounds simple but most councils don't have that or mm-hmm. not prepared for that and actually haven't had funding to do that either so I cycled here which makes me a well, bit then. of a hero yeah. in my eyes. <laughs> uh, I, it was absolutely freezing and I'm not a big fan of cycling in the car. And also, it forced me into, because I've been doing a lot of long bike rides during this cold spell, it forced me this morning into doing something I almost never do, which is clean my bike. Ah. <laughs> because all the salt and grit properly yeah. messes up your bike, actually, in as much as grit has been put down. It needs remedying. Ian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's delightful to be here. Can I say thanks to you guys? I listen to Streets Ahead. Wow. I always enjoy it, uh, particularly wow. the Andy Cox interview, which uh, I thought was fantastic. I mean, he's exemplary, isn't he, with regards to safety. So thanks for everything you do. Well, that's... Uh, that's Good to have a listener, isn't it? Wait, real life listener. I'm not sure I've ever met one. I, I, met, I met a listener earlier this week. I was, <laughs> wow, I was, we have two. I was, um, that, that was oh. me, Adam. Disguise. I was with my uh, boss, the mayor, Andy Street, and we went to a visit. And, uh, and, and obviously most people, I'm just a tag along, and most people talk to the mayor, and guy came up to me and said and Andy was ready to sort of say hello to him and he came to me and said oh I listen to your podcast just want to say thanks for all you do I thought oh brilliant that's just lovely so yeah very good um did you cycle here Ian no I didn't I didn't cycle here I got the tube down I've got a bit of a dodgy left knee at the moment I've reached Mm, that time in life where you know a little bit of arthritis in the left knee so I'm just waiting for that to mend itself and then I'll be back on the bike but I'm a bit more of a pootler I, I, you know, I, Pickling I, is what it's all about. I, I sort of do, you know, from Enfield, where I am in the north of London, I sort of do Hackney, Haringey, you know, that, that kind of area is my domain. I haven't really ventured further than that yet, even though I will do in the future, I hope. But, yeah. you know, I'm a pootler. So, Ian, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on was because almost everything to do with active travel and also in civic life, I guess, in just kind of going about your business as a, as a citizen, as a, as a resident involves decisions made by local councillors, but almost nobody knows what local councillors do, why they would do it, whether they get paid, how much power they have, you know, all of these things. And obviously this has come right to the fore with the discussion around low traffic neighbourhoods, but bike lanes as well, and, and all these decisions have kind of, I guess, become under more more scrutiny because people have paid more of an interest into into the, how the system works. In my job as Commissioner of the West Midlands, I now have to work with a lot of councillors and they're all really, you know, hardworking people and no one does that job to try and make anyone's lives more difficult or to do anything. People just do it because they want to make their places to live better, pretty much universally. But we've seen like a huge amount of animosity, hatred, threats, all sorts of stuff happening to councillors related to low traffic neighbourhoods. So I'm fascinated to kind of learn, I know a little bit, but learn more about the process and sort of based on what I know so far, sort of try and work out why on earth anyone would want to be a councillor. <laughs> why? So to sum up why? his question, why? Why? Mm. So so my, my mum passed away in 2016 and she was... Um, she lived in Coventry, which is where I'm from. She was a, a charity organiser there. She did a huge amount of work in the city. And at that point, I thought, my, you know, I've had a really good life. You know, I'm a television and film director. I was a documentary maker. I was a journalist for the BBC before that. And when she died, I thought, she's done so much for the community. I'm going to do something for the community. So I've, I've been a member of the Labour Party for quite some time. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to stand as a local councillor, see if I can make a change, see if I can transform 
people's lives in some small way. So I went through the selection procedure and I got elected. You know, initially I thought it's going to be lovely and people will be walking down the street, doffing their cap and going, morning, Councillor Barnes. You know, <laughs> wasn't anything like that. But, oh. um, you know, it was, I did get the chance to do some really transformational stuff. We've mentioned the LTNs with school streets. You know, I was, I was involved with a project to plant 100,000 trees. We've made a new woodland. When we, sorry, when were you elected for the first time then? It was so so tw- I, was, I was elected in 2018. 18. Yeah, so I was a councillor for a backbencher for a year. Yeah. And What's then, a backbencher? Oh, I see. So you don't so hold, not in the so, cabinet. Not in the cabinet. So yeah. it's a bit like the Westminster government in that sense. Yeah, yeah. We, I yeah. mean, Enfield is, is pretty much based on the same sort of system. There's a cabinet. Yeah. Uh, the cabinet is is a decision making body uh, in the council, and so for the first year I was a backbencher, just got used to what was going on really, and, and the way mm. it all worked. And then I decided to stand for deputy leader, which is a, a cabinet position, and I was encouraged to do that, so I stood for that. And then you know within our Labour group we vote, and then I was I was voted in as deputy leader. Now I went to the leader of the council, who's an incredible leader called Nestle Kalaskan. And I said to Nestle, can I be involved with climate? Can I be involved with active travel? You know, this is something, you know, I'd been to Waltham Forest. I knew of Clyde's work. I knew of Ferial Clark, John Burke, you know, all of these people. I knew of all their work. And I thought, we, we need to do something like this in Enfield. Could, could you, for the outsider, for the layman, what, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I don't know. Waltham Forest and what, what is all this so, work? So, yeah. Just... So, so Waltham Forest has, I mean, basically led the way in London with regards to active travel, right. low traffic neighbourhoods, mm. cycle lanes, you know, uh, and Clyde's done incredible work there. And so, you know, I'd been for a tour there and I was just, you know, blown away by right. by what had been done. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, just, I, I, I decided, you know, this is something that I'd like to do in Enfield. I had a very supportive leader in, in NES, like I say, and she um, she said, you know, we need to put this before Labour Group, which is what we do with, with most of the stuff. So we put it before Labour Group and a, a motion was passed with regards to low traffic neighbourhoods. And, you know, we were sort of off from there, really. So this um, is pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've, we've got two low traffic neighbourhoods. I, I mean, I imagine we'll get into the detail of this, but one was way before the pandemic. We yeah. were looking at that. That was when I first wanted to say let's do a low traffic neighborhood and then the pandemic came along and the money became available to do a second ltn so these were two different ltns two different beasts altogether but you decided that you were going to do them before the pandemic because yes. a lot of people would think that yeah they were a knee-jerk reaction to the yeah to the pandemic yeah so so yeah so so one of them is called the fox lane ltn that's our biggest ltn that was planned months, if not a year, before the pandemic, you know. And we went through about a year of consultation before that was even installed, that LTN. We put the design out there. People didn't like this design. We ripped it up. We redesigned the entire low-traffic neighbourhood, and I mean completely from scratch, you know. And then, you know, a year later, we, we installed that one. Now, the Emergency Active Travel Fund came along when the pandemic happened, and the government said, we can give you money for another LTM, but it has to be planned and installed within eight weeks. Now, you know, the, the previous one, before the pandemic, had taken us a year. <laughs> At Enfield, there's a tremendous team of officers led by Richard Eason. And you can imagine the kind of, can we do this? Can we actually do this in eight weeks? And the one thing about the Emergency Active Travel Fund was it meant that the consultation would happen when it was in place. So the LTM went in. Then the consultation started, which was different to the Fox Lane one. Not how most, but it, it's kind of allowed and permitted under experimental traffic regulation orders. But 
it's not what people expect, is it? People expect to yeah. have consultation beforehand, then they see the changes rather than here are the changes. Let's do the consultation now. That <laughs> My, uh, we'll crack on a bit of the podcast studio just, just falling just, apart, just fell apart. But I've, um, that is a is a new studio that I built, and I've tried to sell a tape a blind to a window. You live and learn. No, you. Um, like we're in a dungeon. So won't, make that, won't make that mistake. We've got yeah. bars on the windows. Reveals that we're just in a little dungeon. Um. <laughs> Secret location. Your, 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 your question was about um, it's not expected to be done yeah. that way. Yeah. It's not expected to be done like that, you know, retrospectively. It's not expected to be done like that. But I understood what the government was doing. In the pandemic, they wanted to give more space to people to walk in the street. More pedestrians were going to be on the streets because of lockdown, people staying at home. So I thought it was admirable and the right thing to do to invest in, I think it was 100 LTNs across London that the, the government funded during that period but it was just brutal you know that eight weeks was brutal on council officers but also it was tough on the residents as well because it was here's the LTN we're installing it now tell us what you think you know and we'll change it if we need to if we, if, if it looks like it's not working and, and changes have been made but it was a brutal situation to be in mm. 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 What changes did you have to make them? Talk us through that process. I mean, well, the, the, cha- the changes that have been made subsequently, you know, both of them have been made permanent now, which is fantastic, and I'm, I'm so pleased about that. But more permeability has been put in place now. By permeability, I mean, you know, emergency services have to get into these areas. What we prefer is bollards because eventually we can make these into pocket parks and little areas that the community can enjoy rather than just a bollard and two planters. You know, yeah. that, that's the long-term aim. But what we decided to do was, in retrospect, and, and because of the consultation answers, was to open up some more streets and put cameras in. Some LTNs across London are all cameras. But our LTNs, you know, some of them are still bollards and, and um, planters because eventually, like I say, the hope is to make those into a real feature a place-making feature, you know, somewhere the community might come and sit or just enjoy the the area rather than kind of that sort of filter, as it were. Mm. Yeah, and obviously not universally popular, these these measures. There were kind of criticisms levelled that these were just sort of done in wealthy areas, that they were going to increase the traffic on the outside, that they were slowing down emergency vehicles. And I think that's why you did the cameras, because they're emergency services had said there'd been sort of delays within the LTN. Do you kind of re- regret the way that things were done or do you feel like Okay, there's, done a, there's a few things to unpack mm-hmm. there. So not universally popular. I think a lot of people are scared of change. I don't like change. I'm a few years away from getting my official grumpy old man award. So, you know, people just do not like change. And, you know, those are the people that we try and talk to, we try and negotiate with, we try to ease the way really. Then you've got the libertarians who are like, you know, we don't want government. We don't want you telling us what to do. Very hard to make any headway there. There's quite a lot of them as well. <laughs> well, you know, quite there's a there's a bit of an overlap going on with anti-vaxxers and all of that kind of yeah. controversial stuff. I guess you kind of can't win, really, because people will say, well, you've got bollards, you're blocking emergency services. So you take the bollards out and put the cameras in. And then people say, oh, you're just using us as a cash cow I've seen a lot of, not a lot, but I've seen some people kind of discount all opposition as sort of bad faith arguments. But I, I, I can't believe that to be kind of entirely true. But there are some elements where we should accept that people just don't like this. And there's lots of things people didn't like. I think when I was looking, reading about it, you know, someone like 
40% of people said that the smoking ban would be a bad idea in public places and, and things like that. So, yeah, I guess I guess you can be hit around the head with all of it, but aren't you? Pol- politics is incredibly intersectional, isn't mm, it? And every mm. issue is, is intersectional and thorny. Mm. Mm. I've got a family member, you know, who's a member of the RCN, and I've just taken some biscuits around to the picket line there. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a totally separate issue, but people just generally feel very conflicted about the nurses' strike, don't they? Because on the one hand, they want to support the nurses, by and large. And on the other hand, they don't want their health service impacted by, you know, it's incredibly serious and difficult. And I think it does it does the LTN argument no favours to oversimplify it and to disregard willy-nilly and as a matter of principle some really quite significant objections. You know, this issue about LTNs being cited in wealthy neighbourhoods and increasing house prices and having an adverse effect on other neighbourhoods. We've talked about this having a very significant, I think, and, and often overlooked impact on people with disabilities who have specific mobility issues that are sometimes with badly designed LTNs very adversely impacted. Oh. These need consideration. They're not nothing, are they? No, absolutely. There's a few points there. I yeah. think, you know, Adam. Adam's right. You know, you can't win. You, you have a bollard, you replace it by a camera, suddenly you're a cash cow. You're just fining people. You know, my argument was there's a way not to get fined, and that's not to drive through the signs. And then you, then people say, "Well, the signs are not right." You know, you, you're not, and we're like, they are in complete, they completely adhere to all the regulations with regards to signs. You know, yeah. the, the officers will make sure that happens. You know, so the arguments can go on and on and on and become more and more sort of granular, as it were. With regards to people with disabilities, you're absolutely right. I mean, what we did when the schemes were made permanent was introduce concessions for blue badge holders so that they could drive through the cameras. Maybe that was something that we should have done earlier on, but, you know, we wanted to see in the consultation how that panned out. We had various focus groups with people with disabilities. We talked to an organisation called Transport for All. So, you know, all of that led to that final concession, which was blue badge holders in the area, you know, of the area of the LTM will be able to drive through those filters. The wealthy area issue, we've been hit with that in Enfield because one of our LTNs, which is the Fox Lane LTN, is in a fairly affluent area. Now, the reason we made that into an LTM was because it, it, it connected to our cycle lanes. There's a connection from our cycle lane into the LTN. And also there was a school street in that Fox Lane LTN already that existed. So, what I always thought was uh, the, the best policy, and I know that Richard Eason, head of the um, the officers team on this, agreed with, was that you know we should connect these LTNs to our cycle lane, so you can come directly off the cycle lane and up through the LTN, you know, mm. as, a, as a safe corridor. Mm. So we did that with Fox Lane, and we got hit with the fact that well, that's an affluent area, and 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 it wasn't anything to do with that. So. The next LTNs, I believe, you know, are going to be in the east of the borough, which is the less affluent part of our borough. Is it a different kind of housing stock as well? Because a lot of LTNs, it strikes me in London, tend to be in, what do you call it, sort of ladder estates of Victorian Victorian housing. terraces. Kind Victorian of terraces. And certainly when we went to Oxford, that was very much the case, wasn't yeah. it? In, in, I can't remember the district um, in Oxford. Is that what Fox Lane is like? Is it Victorian housing, sort of classic semi-detached housing? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's terraced as well, but I mean, they're, they're big terraced, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's so yeah. so. It, there's no doubt in that it, it is an affluent area. So we lo- need to look to the east now. And, you know, one of my final decisions as well, just before I left office, was to the next tranche of school streets, the next 10 school streets will all go in the east of the borough, you know. Because you installed um, 12 um, during your time, didn't you? And there's yeah. quite a nice video of... Um, Kingfisher School and and the impact on how how many kids were being driven to school. There was quite a lot of, 
Oh, it's numbers. brilliant. You know, yeah, they're, so yes, yeah, 200% increase in kids cycling, 14% in walking, and 29% fewer kids being driven to yeah. school on that uh, yeah. school street. So yeah. that had quite a big impact. That's a difference, isn't it? Yeah, so they were delighted, you know, at that school. They were delighted at all the schools. I mean, you know, it's really changed the atmosphere at the school gate. Not not just because of pollution and, you know, people cycling and all that. It was just that horrible road rage. Yeah. Kids being subjected to effing and jeffing all over the place because people are, you know, wrestling to get their... Yeah, that's a very real. That's a very real thing, isn't it? Yeah. So I was very kind of um, insistent that you know the LTNs, the cycle lanes, and the school streets should all try to work together. You know, if we can make those all happen, interlocking as a as a you know holistic policy, then they're all going to benefit each other. Basically, mm. just to go back to your yeah. point, yes, not disregarding what people have got to say, and you, you know when we put our LTNs in, we met numerous community groups i mean one ltm we met six community groups and they range from the hugely supportive to the violently opposed so we tried to get as, as much of a range of opinions as we can just to you know shape the ltn and and look at the way forward there's one component that's missing though from everything in active travel at the moment and that's road user charging everybody knows i think every i think everybody's aware in politics that at some point somebody is going to be brave enough to introduce road user charging, which, is, which will have a hugely beneficial impact on the main roads. Yeah. You know, so all this traffic has been sent back to the main roads. How, how do you imagine this? Talk me through this. How does this work? So the LTNs are fantastic for the residential streets. Now, the main roads, they need help. Yeah. And they're going to have help with road user charging, which is no, nobody knows how it's going to work yet. So the reason it will happen is because EVs are opening up a big hole in the treasury, electric vehicles, yeah. fuel duty, and also vehicle emissions duty. Now, uh, haven't they just said they will? It's revenue? gone up. You know, it will start to creep up. Yeah. But, you know, fuel duty is a massive one. Yeah. You know, so that, I think it's a 30 billion hole that's opening up in the treasury. And, you know, the treasury are not going to allow that. That's a Liz Truss-sized hole. Yeah, that's, a huge, exactly. <laughs> that's a huge hole. <laughs> Um, so other you know, prime ministers are available just, <laughs> just for balance. Many, many other prime ministers are available. So basically, you know, so somebody is going to be brave enough to introduce that at some point. Sadiq Khan put something in the ULES consultation about it, about road user charging. I'll come on to what it, what, what, how, it is. what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so he put something in the consultation about road user charging. I filled that consultation in, and then the Conservative government, you know, who gave uh, there was a deal made for TfL, told him that you know that's not going to go anywhere at the moment. So that was disappointing. But um, so road user charging. I mean, in the future, you're going to be charged by the mile, or you know, you're going to be charged per distance that you drive. Gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, is it, this commonly known? This is news to me. Is this so? This well, is the no, big I mean, it's, political it's, elephant in the room, is it? That yeah, this is I mean, it's an inevitability. Yeah. Considered to be an inevitability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, mainly because of climate change, congestion. You know, so yeah. so. I mean, you can see at some point. I think that will happen. I imagine it will be extremely complicated because there'll be different levels of it. You know, if you if you use your vehicle for work, you're going to be on one rate. If yeah. you don't use it for work, you'll be on another rate. And I think you know you you'll you might be charged different times of the day that you drive. So if you drive non-peak, you're going to have a, you're going to be on a lower rate than if you drive peak. You know, I can think of few things more politically toxic than that. Yeah, yeah. if you think about um, yeah the debate around electric neighbourhoods and cycle lanes and yeah. war on drivers. Exactly, it would be like yeah. times a hundred, wouldn't it? And the infrastructure required is is cameras, basically, isn't it? It's sort of a big system of cameras, and the ULES is quite 
handy in terms of converting over to uh, road user pricing because the camera a lot of the cameras are already there in terms of detecting sort of who's yeah, going where yeah. and but the, the transport select committees looked at it the treasury are looking at it the mayor of london's looking at it every I mean, political party's looked at it and, every, every, and everybody's looking at it <laughs> run, away. run away yeah. <laughs> and they're going, ah. i believe hackney offered to be a pilot mm. borough for it, you know, with regards to you know the, the the way it might work and and that kind of thing, but again, I think TFL might have uh, the, the the TFL deal from the government might have stymied that, but I, I, I believe that um, Hackney had offered something along those lines. Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of um, an issue of messaging about how public understanding about how we use transport and perhaps um, LTNs was a kind of bit of a a kind of showcase of this is that. Uh, Ultimately, some of these, many of these policies are about reducing car use. We've got all of these problems that they're causing congestion and mm. air pollution. And we, we all know the, those yeah. issues. But it is about reducing car use a lot of the time. It's about raising revenue in the case of road user pricing. But also a major issue we have is our roads are too congested yeah. and all of the problems yeah. that they bring. And um, we mentioned this before we started recording, actually, we're talking about this and you didn't really like the idea of framing it in this way. And I, I was quite interested in your response then, but I, I don't know. We don't really, maybe that debate's not being had in a very grown up way at the moment. You know, I've always looked at it as, and people have people have always attacked me saying, you you haven't got rid of your car, why should we get rid of ours? And I've never said get rid of your car. All I've said is, could you use your car less? Think twice before you pick up the keys, you know. Could you could you amalgamate trips? Could you possibly go at an, uh, you know um, a non busy time? Could you car share? There's all these kind of ways to kind of reduce your mm. your car usage, mm. and that's all I've ever said. You know, when I was a, a counselor, you know, I'd said to, I, I said to people, just think twice before you pick up the keys, and it will make a huge difference. Mm. But that has been extrapolated into oh, you want us to get rid of our cars, and you you, you want us to stop using our cars and it's it, i've never been that strident you know now i know there are politicians that are that strident but for myself it was more about you know let's try and reduce the car use let's try and get on bikes let's try and walk a bit more so it, it, i wasn't quite so punitive as it were but you know some some of the people are a, a little bit more hardline and a little bit you know a little bit more yes you must get rid of your car there's there's a bit of i think this would act as a metaphor for why this stuff is so difficult because some people who oppose the low traffic neighborhoods would say, well, you need to sort out the main roads first, or you're pushing the main traffic to the main roads. But I reckon there'd be quite a lot of crossover between some people that would say that, but would also be really, really opposed to road pricing or, yeah. or even cycle lanes on main roads. Now that's not me generalizing everybody because I know lots of people who you know, opposed to, to LTNs are open to other areas of sustainable transport. But it seems like the kind of summary mm. is that you are that this stuff is hard and there are no easy answers and you can either not tackle it or you can tackle it, I guess. Absolutely. I mean road user charging councillors cannot introduce councils cannot introduce, you know, it's not within the remit of councils to introduce that. We can introduce low-traffic neighbourhoods. We can introduce school streets. We can introduce cycle lanes. Mm. I'm saying we can. You know, we could. I yeah. could. You know, when I was when when you're a councillor, but you, you know, road user charging is a, you know, the very least a mayor of London thing, but pro most probably a governmental thing. You know, it will have to happen across mm. across the land probably. So, do councils sit there and do nothing and 
you know, tap their fingers waiting for road user charging? Or do we say, let's let's put in LTNs because ninety mm. percent of people don't live on main roads. They live in these residential neighborhoods. Should we should we put those LTNs in because that's something we can do now alongside school streets and cycle lanes? Or do we sit here and wait for that politician who is one day going to introduce road user charging? You know, so you if you can do something, you want to do it and hope that, you know, the rest of it falls in line over the months and years that are coming. But, you know, sit there with you on your hands and not do it. It's just what's the point of being in politics, you know, if you, if you, if you don't try and make change. Yeah. And your kind of motivations were environmental. You, you were saying before when we were talking earlier that your kind of motivations for a lot of this stuff were your interest in the environment. Yeah, so, I mean, with regards to active travel, I, I, was, I was introduced to or brought into the active travel fold, really, because of climate change. You know, I've been involved with and interested in climate change for many years. You know, and 39% of our borough's emissions, the biggest chunk of our borough's emissions in Enfield are from our roads you know, 39%. So mm. it was something that I wanted to tr- try and tackle, really. You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a poodler when it comes to cycling. I love cycling. You know, I love our cycle lanes. You know, they're fantastic. Mm. Um, but I'm a bit of a poodler, so I'm not somebody who's coming at it from like, you know, we must make cycling safer, et cetera, et cetera, even though I do believe that, obviously. Yeah. I came to it more from we've got to reduce our emissions because – the planet is burning. Once I came into it, I started to look at, you know, the, the deaths of children and, you know, the fact that, that, that children are three times more likely to be killed on a bike on a residential street by a driver and let, rather than the driver staying to a main road. You know, I look, mm. obesity levels are through the roof with children and people with disabilities drive, I think, 30% fewer journeys than um, able-bodied people but are five times more likely to be injured on the road you know by, by cars by motor vehicles so you know statistics like that you look at them you go they're horrific and if you can do something to try and bring those statistics down improve those statistics as well as addressing climate change yeah. then you know what you go you, you've got to go for it so you, you went for it you did something there's been a lot of hate on this so just Going back to the start and the question of why would anyone be a councillor, just just talk about maybe some of the the, the personal costs of doing this because it yeah it's and I, I know councillors I work with councillors it's not insurmountable. People assume that you're you know somehow there's a facade there and you nothing bothers you, but but ultimately people shouting at the street has has an effect. Yeah. So I mean you know once once the first LTN went in, the first thing that started to happen was stickers with my face going up on various signs and uh, you know the people were found and fined for that and then you know a sandwich board appeared with my face and the leader of the council's face on it and it just started to gradually snowball into like you know I started to get abusive emails calling me and my wife and my daughter all manner of things I would get phone calls where people would leave messages just literally see you next Tuesday hung up you know on you know the the swear word so you know it's just started to snowball from there and you could see the people behind it you knew who they were and we started to have my home watch because my address was put online my car was filmed people would try and catch me using my car you know which is which is bizarre because like I said I, I, I do use my car I try to avoid it if I can but I do use my car so it snowballed into this horrible torrent of abuse at the end of the day, you know, it was it was the upset to my wife and my daughter that, that was the thing that got me. I'm I'm big enough and ugly enough to sort of wipe it away and try and not let it get to me because, you know, I wanted to continue making these changes. 
What's really awful now, though, is the misogyny. You know, I see, particularly on social media, which is, you know, I've always seen social media as a blessing and a curse, but, you know, the the female counsellors and female cycling activists that are attacked because of their appearance, because they're compared to fictional characters that are purposely made to look ugly, you know. Mm. Um, And that sort of misogyny is horrible. You know, Mm. it's absolutely horrible. We had a... Facebook group in uh, Enfield, which was uh, opposing LTNs. There was a comment left about a councillor in Wandsworth, and and the the comment was like, once she's had a slap, she'll change her mind. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, just shocking, shocking stuff. And that comment wasn't deleted. It was left on there. So it's just become, and, and, and I think, you know, social media is part of this, without a doubt, because everybody is agitating everybody else on social media. Um, I think Twitter's got worse in the last few weeks for you know, obvious reasons. Um, but I also think Trump, you know, the whole Trump thing was awful, your political discourse with regards to Trump and, and other things that have gone on. You know, it's it's pretty toxic out there. But I, I admire the councillors are, who are still out there fighting, like Mike Hakata in Haringey. They've recently introduced three LTNs. Mm. Um, and Mike, I think you're doing a really good job with engaging genuinely and I, I think some people won't believe them they won't believe that they're being listened to etc no, no, no. seems like there's a lot of people you know the evidence has been put forward and there's a lot of people with a very open mind as to how it will go and and with that kind of openness about but there's still been attacks yes you know course, i mean we, we we like i said we spent a year consulting on on fox lane and you know gathering feedback ripping up the design completely and and doing a new design but um you can do so much consultation, but you're still going to be attacked by people. So um, Mike is being attacked. The leader of the council, Paré, is being attacked on social media. It's horrible to see. And, you know, it would just be more constructive if these people, instead of this venom, that they wrote long essays to put into the consultation, you know, about what they think would be changed, you know, what could be changed and, and why it's wrong. But, you know, taking to social media and... and um, being as abusive as they are, and like I say, particularly to women, I just, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit toxic out there. Mm. Yeah, it's horrible. I did actually see a lot of, um, on a sort of lighter note, I did actually see a lot of Enfield's uh, cycle routes, and Richard Eason took me around a couple of years ago, but around this time of year, actually, it was very cold. But I was uh, astonished, because Waltham Forest gets a lot of the credit for what they did, but actually Enfield did some amazing stuff as well, and there's some great main road bike lanes, cycle lanes. There was a little um, path alongside a river that didn't really exist before, and then it was created as part of the the Mini Holland Fund, and then it created this um, access to a wetland area that that you couldn't get to before, and a crossing of a main road, and there were some lovely crossings and sort of I think rain garden type stuff, new planting and, and yeah, it was, it was really very impressive. And I wonder there was a kind of, uh, well, criticism, if you can call it that leveled at the council that maybe they hadn't sort of shouted loud enough about what they'd done. And I wonder if some of this vitriol and the, and these awful experiences that people had, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're not sort of shouting about the, the successes of, of things like the, um, mini Hollands and the, and the LTNs. I mean, I always tried, you know, I mean, Richard Eason, like I've said, is an exemplary officer. I worked alongside Richard for three years. I was backed by the political bravery of Nestle Kalaskan, you know, our leader. But, you know, Richard was the officer that I worked most closely with. And he championed all of the Mini Holland stuff, which happened before my time. You know, I've, I've always tried to be as proactive as I can on social media. I talk about the fact that, you know, I think the bike lanes in three years have gone up 36%. You know, that was the June figure, you know, the people on there. 
I poodle along them all the time, particularly in lockdown. I loved going on the cycle lanes in lockdown, and there's people this time of year it's quiet a bit and there's some of these people going up and down them all the time you know um and my favorite I, I always remember cycling past i've never seen her again but i cycled past a woman who had a french bulldog in a papoose <laughs> on the front of her so and i, and I just cycled past and i was like is that a french bulldog on a papoose and the bulldog's just you know sitting there Little like paws that dangling yeah, out. Yeah, he's the boob, boob, but it wasn't know. wearing a helmet <laughs> So, um, so, so, so I've always tried to, be, you know, be proactive with regards to our mini Holland scheme. There's a couple of issues, you know, that are now sort of rearing their head and becoming ever more of an issue, and that is parking in the cycle lanes, you know, which ha- which is I think happening more and more. There is enforcement in Enfield, but I'd love to see a law change where you can submit photographs to the police of people in cycle lanes and I don't think that law exists like I, the dash cam kind exactly. of exactly yeah, yeah yeah so so you can do dash cam for accidents now can't you and and the police force will act on those but as far as I know you cannot do that for people parked in cycle lanes across cycle lanes and um I think potentially you my understanding is that there is a kind of legal way to do it but right. um uh it's not easy so yeah. it needs so it needs a change in the law yeah. and I'd love to see the, the all party cycling committee sort of tackling this kind of thing you know, yeah there's there's a moving traffic offenses um where count councils outside of london now can enforce cycle lanes but i don't think it's by camera we, we can enforce cycle lanes, yeah you can in means, london yeah but yeah, someone but has, to be, has to be there you yeah know? And we've got not... i think we've got 30 kilometers of cycle lanes now you know so it's it's right you know somebody can't patrol that all the times because the enforcement officers are off yeah you know, you know, all over the borough yeah and um as it's gritmas <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know if Enfield was is gritting its How cycle gritted. lane? How yeah. gritted is Enfield? <laughs> it, 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 and its LTNs. Yeah, there is a lot of Enfield that's gritted. I know. I know that some 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 residents have been complaining that you know some side streets haven't been gritted and pavements haven't been gritted. But I spoke to somebody about this yesterday, and they said, you know, the gritting happens as fast as they can do it, yeah. and then it becomes a safety issue. Yeah. You know, once it becomes an ice rink, you can't send people out there to manually you know, grit pavements because they're in danger of sliding themselves, you know. So yeah. so I think the gritting happens as quickly and as fast as possible. Yeah. yeah. I've got some sympathy for councils on this, actually. It's, it's, you yeah. Know, I, it, it kind of blindsided us all, this cold snap mm-hmm. in London, didn't it? Yeah. We didn't really see it coming. And I remember, by and large, I think uh, people have done it, yeah, done it as well as you could possibly. Those little robots that you see in Milton Keynes on the pavement. Oh, yeah. We need them with grit in. I haven't yeah. seen those. What There's are these robots? Yeah, yeah, I know the ones you They're mean, like yeah. little delivery robots. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they exist, but um, they could. Jeff Bezos. Take, they're takeaways. They're takeaways. I think they carry yeah. steak, takeaway, and supermarket food. But yeah. yeah, you could fill those with grit, and then they could do the pavements because it's not, yeah. not dangerous. <laughs> there is footage of one of those little robots waiting to cross the road, you know, waits uh, and waits, goes it, in, and then a car just takes it out, you know what I mean? Hasn't like, read the highway code. <laughs> it's, it's, um, do you think no, we need right. to um, do the pavements first? Because there was a town in northern Sweden where, which dis- that discovered um, actually gritting the roads first was a gender issue and was affecting women more than men because more men own cars, have access to cars. Yeah. More women are walking, taking uh, public transport, which involves walking. And um, so they gritted the pavements first and they found that far fewer people were injuring themselves by slipping over. Okay, that's, yeah. that's interesting. I did yeah. not know that. But I mean, yeah. I, they should grit as far and as wide as possible, you know, um, within the remit of people staying safe, basically. Yeah, because there's still that thinking that, oh, the traffic needs to keep moving. There was someone on the Jeremy Vine show, actually. He was formerly uh, of the GLA and Barnet, I think. And um, yeah, and he was saying, yeah, the traffic needs to keep moving and we can't, yeah, we can't grit everything, which is, I guess, true, but... 
people need yeah. to keep moving as well though people need know? to keep it's, moving uh, on foot as well yeah. Yeah. value so just just to um as we're coming to, to the end of our time we we've obviously talked about LTNs we've mm. talked about gritting um as well um one of the other key things that councillors end up dealing with are things like bin collections yeah. and things like that i'm not going to talk about bin collections because we'd lose our last remaining listener um <laughs> well, but that's Ian. That is you Ian, just get up and walk out yeah. i yeah. can't i can't wait to listen to this <laughs> but it kind of highlights that being a councillor is quite a strange thing not many people get really excited about waste collection or actually would you because a lot of people don't realize that if you're a backbench councillor you know i think you get paid something like nine thousand pounds a year so no one can really do it professionally and when you do do it all you do is get shouted at about bins and gritting and dog poo, and dog poo. when you do do it and you put your head above the parapet and you install low traffic neighborhoods people post your address online and shout at you there's female councillors who uh, I'm just thinking of some councillors I work with who are who are women who you know live on their own you know why would anyone do this and should people do this and how do we change it so that more people do this because I have this thing it's it's one thing that we should pay councillors properly we should to get good people we should pay them a good salary rather than hoping that some retired people can do it in their spare time and have the social capital to do so as well and the the freedom to do so so yeah it's just not we are it's not you know people i don't think there'll be loads of people listen to this sort of gagging to kind of sign up to try and run for office i actually didn't know that councillors got nine thousand pounds a year i thought that they all did it for free well, I, I mean, yeah. there are low levels of council, like town councils, where you do it for free. But right. most, I'm thinking I'm right in saying most, most right. um, sort of... So it's a strange amount. It's neither an income nor not it's, an income. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Yeah. The thing that drives me mad is it changes in different boroughs and different areas. So, you know, the, the leader of Enfield Council gets half of what the leader of other councils get, and, right. and she's doing the equivalent work. The reason for that is there's no independent body setting it. Now, right. MPs now their pay is set by an independent body yeah. the, sh- the same should exist for councillors you know and then you don't get this discrepancy across london and across the country as well like you say i mean i would love to see the allowance higher so that people could give up their jobs take a sabbatical you know so they could become a councillor full-time and, and go into the cabinet and do which is a, a a lot more work in the cabinet so you know it would be great if there was an independent body setting this i don't think there's anything in mm. sight you know but, uh, you know, part, partly the reason that I, I stopped was a career. You know, I work in film and television and I was struggling to balance the two. The allowance wasn't enough that I could take a sabbatical because, you know, I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage with, with that allowance. I mean, mm. so again, I'm going back to that sort of pay issue. But I had to try and balance it and I couldn't balance it at the time. I, I mean, I would love to go back in at some point. Funnily enough, now it's, it's sort of sorted itself out. So, you know, we'll, we'll see whether I go back in. And, and the reason I would go back in is because it, you, you can make change. You can make transformational change. There can be a lot of abuse. It depends which sort of area you're in, but there can be a lot of abuse. But I got quite a few emails, uh, you know, concerning the LTNs from people saying, thank you so much for this. In the beginning, we were furious. And now we walk and cycle. <laughs> we, now we walk and cycle more than we've ever done, you know. And I got one from, a, from a, a, an elderly lady who was in her 80s, I think it was, and she said, I've jumped on a cycle for the first time and I love it, you know. And I suppose what you have to bear in mind is for all the nice emails that you get on the one hand and for all the people shrieking at you online and in the real world on the other hand, 
the broad sweep of people in the middle is the majority, isn't it? Who, who, who never express an opinion, never contact you, never. And they are just kind of getting on with their lives and exactly. probably quite accepting of, yeah, of things, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah, exactly. And that's, exactly. It's very, very easy to forget that, isn't it? You're 100% correct. I mean, our, our Bose LTN, one of the LTNs we got, 5% of the local population got entered the consultation. You yeah. Know, 95%. Which is probably quite a high percentage, I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. We worked, we worked hard yeah, at that, yeah. you know, leaflets, and we met groups, and we, you know, we pushed as hard as we can. People, you know, say something. And all we got was 5% of the local population. And, you know, 95% of people either don't care yeah. or are fine with it or, you know, are willing to give it a chance and, you know, like it so they didn't see a point in entering into the consultation. So, you know, you have to kind of bear this kind of stuff in mind when you hear this loud, angry, vocal minority, yeah. Yeah. you know, who are shouting at you about this, that, like, you know, 95% of the population are just fine or just don't care. So you, you, yeah, you you have to remember that. But it was it was the emails really specifically the ones that changed their mind. You know, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of emails saying, you know, we support everything you're doing. We will support what we can. We're not going to go on social media because we get shrieked at, but we'll we'll be there in the background. And there were people who were very supportive in the background. But it was the it was the people that were like, you know, we hated you. You know, we hated you. We were furious, and now we love it. You know, and it's changed our change the way we live, you know. So hopefully, as the months and the years go on, people it will change people's behaviour even more. But, you know, there are people out there who are still unhappy. They still need to be listened to. Changes still need to be made. You know, it's it's a flexible scheme. All, all the schemes are flexible. And, you know, you just have to take it all on board and try and make the right decision. Blow their minds when they hear about yeah. road charging, will it? They'll, wow. just blow it They'll forget yeah, about maybe, LTNs. Maybe, you know what? Maybe, <laughs> They'll move on to a much bigger. <laughs> maybe road user charging will never happen. I don't know. Mm. Maybe maybe it'll never happen. But yeah. you know, it's it's not for for me. It's not so much that the government will worry about climate and stuff like that. It's the money finances. It's the money. Mm. The money drives decisions. You know, yeah. when it comes to governmental yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Climate change wise, you know, I think at the moment this government's lost uh, really because of the. You know, I don't want to get party political, but you know the the, the mine decision last. You know, opening the new mine in Cumbria last week just took my breath away. I didn't really know where to go with that one. Mm. Ian, a little bit of trivia because I, I was speaking to him before. Um, Ian not only has installed low traffic neighbourhoods, he works in one as well. In his job as film TV, he has worked on EastEnders, which Albert Square is. Effectively a low traffic neighbourhood. <laughs> I know this because I watched EastEnders once, and um, uh, and there was a cargo bike in the at the start when they do the do do do, and then they open the square, and there's a guy in a cargo bike. Well, that's odd. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, it was a bit of being. That was you. So, that was that. That was me. Yeah. So I move around. You know, I move between different programs, and uh, EastEnders is something that I love doing, and, and it's a great team up there. But um, as Adam says, it's you know it is effectively a low traffic neighbourhood. I was doing one episode and I said to the art department, you know we have people cycling, and I said, is there any chance we can get hold of a cargo bike? And they're like, what on earth is a cargo bike? <laughs> you know, so showed them a picture, you know, and bless them, they they went and got a cargo bike, and we had somebody riding around on it. And I just think it reflects, you know, what's happening now. Even in Enfield, we have cargo bikes, yeah. and we're you know we're right up in the north. I know in Hackney, it's like the norm now, isn't it? In Islington and places like that. Well, you're knowing working professionally in film, TV, that if you 
it wouldn't work if if there were just cars everywhere and you couldn't hear the actors speaking. You know, so so you know the things that people want, the the community that people aspire to or want to listen to or get involved in, relies on that kind of social interaction that's developed from having less traffic. Um, yeah. I, can feel, I can feel a script coming on here. I'm waiting for the, the <laughs> Christmas special where someone gets run over by a cargo bike or a cargo bike crashes into the Queen Vic and sets off a, a huge chain reaction of Actually, fire burns yeah. down. Have they gritted Albert Square as well? <laughs> have they, they don't gritted know. Albert they Square? Um, well, they, will, thanks. They, they, will, they will have gritted Albert Square. Good. They will have gritted Albert Good. Square. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Ian. That was really, really, um, really interesting and, and, and fascinating. Absolutely. Um, uh, thanks for coming in, Ian. It's nice to have a uh, live guest and to meet a listener as well. You've been listening to Streets Ahead. Our editor has been Claire Mansell. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead. Rate us, review us, share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. And happy Gritmas to you all. Happy Gritmas, one and all. Happy Gritmas. Happy Gritmas. Gritmas, that's Bye. it. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.